0: I want to draw your attention to verse 21 of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and notice it says, "Providing for honest things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men." That uh, very, pretty well-known verse right there that you hear a lot. It's a great verse of talking about just being honest, uh, not just to God, but even to other people also. And you know, one thing that we often see in the IFB—it's kind of a common preaching practice—and it's something I notice a lot just because. I preach, I listen to preaching, and I like to figure out how people got their messages. But often people, when they preach, they take a verse that has a phrase in it that they like, something that sounds good, and then they kind of use it as a springboard to talk about whatever they want. And often there's many verses that have been preached about a lot over the years. But yet people rarely ever take the time to study the entire passage and get the context of it. And when you get the context of it, a lot of times you can find so much more About it that can really be helpful and I want to do that. I want to talk specifically about what Paul was referring to when he said providing for honest things because you You'll hear that verse a lot in messages. Anybody's looking for a proof And just being trustworthy they'll use this verse providing for honest things not only in the sight of the lord But also in the sight of men and it is appropriate to apply this verse and that principle to other areas that the apostle Paul was not talking about but let's go ahead and take a look at what Paul was talking about when he specifically brought this up because I think it will really help us and and I don't know I guess I was just kind of encouraged by this I was just going through this in my regular Bible reading and I and I noticed this because in reality this is a lot a lot of what we have done recently has been exactly what Paul was talking about Right here, and I didn't even realize we were following this passage that much, but we just kind of, you know, naturally did something that was very biblical, you know, just by trying to be honest. And so uh, I was encouraged when I read that, so I want to share this with you, but let's go ahead and start reading in verse 1, because what did Paul specifically do to be honest and to provide for honest things, not just in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men, what did Paul do? specifically do that's what i want us to uh, take a look at and it says in verse one moreover brethren we do you to wit of the grace of god bestowed on the churches of macedonia so he's saying here i want to tell you about or i want you to know what this church in macedonia did they did something really good and i want you i want you to know about it and he said how that in a great trial of affliction the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of of their liberality. So, these people in Macedonia that he's talking about, they were in a great trial of affliction, okay? They're battling things unlike you and I battle, okay? We haven't had any real persecution. We think cuz we had to wear a mask somewhere, you know, we're just suffering for the cause of Christ. But folks, we have no idea, okay? These people were in a great trial of affliction, and yet they were also, and we also don't know about this, they were in deep poverty. Hey, we think we're in deep poverty because you know we can't get the you know premium cable package or something like that, and you know we can't uh, you know order the you know we, you know we have to go to the value menu at McDonald's. We think we're in deep poverty because of that. But Paul didn't just say these people are in poverty; he said they were in deep poverty. So these people are struggling, and it says, but they um. Notice how he mentions the liberality of their giving. These people, while in affliction. And deep poverty were very liberal in their giving. And we're not talking so much about giving, but it's okay to be liberal when it comes to your giving. That's a good area to be liberal. That just basically means, you know, you're just not kind of a penny pincher. You just you just kind of give without even thinking about it. And that, that's that's not a bad thing. But it says, so verse 3 says, For to their power, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power. They were willing of themselves. These people went above and beyond their ability, what somebody would expect them to be able to do. They actually went above that and did something that you can only do with God's help. And it says, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And the apostle Paul, in a lot of his writings, he would often reference this collection of For the saints that he was taking up, because it was during that time, there was a great famine that went through Jerusalem and, and in, and the people of Jerusalem, I mean, that was where the church started. They were the ones that sent these guys out. And because of this famine that was going on, the people in Jerusalem are suffering greatly. And so the apostle Paul, he was kind of commissioned while he's going to these churches, you know what, take up a collection and to, you know, for these poor saints in Jerusalem, so we could be a help and a blessing to them. And so these people in Macedonia, they hear about some people in Jerusalem that are struggling. These are the people who Paul had said, you know, is it a small thing if they were to reap your carnal things? I mean, they've sown to you spiritual things. They've sent us. It's because of these people that you all have the gospel. You've, you've gained spiritually because of them. You know what? They should be able to gain something, you know, physically as a result of this. And that, And so Paul often made reference to this collection or offering that he's taking up. And so these people heard about it. And the, Paul, the Apostle Paul's not really expecting much from him. In fact, he didn't even really want it. When these people are trying to give, they pretty much had to beg him to take it. Because, man, you people, you've got your own problems. But they said, no, we want in on this. We want to be a blessing. And let me tell you, that meant something to Paul. And he was amazed. And he said, I want you to know what these people did. You know what he's trying to do? He's trying to inspire them. A little bit, you know. Don't be upset if sometimes I say, "Hey, you know, you hear about what that other church did? You know, there's nothing wrong with doing that. I'm trying to motivate you a little bit because if they can do it, we can do it too. It's good for us to have to have fellowship with churches that are better than us in some areas that challenge us. A lot of people just want to hang around people that are worse than them so they can feel good about themselves. That should be our attitude. We should we should want to find people that are better than us. We shouldn't be trying to figure out how we're better than everybody else. That's what lazy, sorry people do. But if we're the right kind of people, we're going to look for people that put us to shame. Why? So it will motivate us. That's a good thing, right there. But it says, so it says, you know, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. They pretty much had to beg them and force them to receive the offering that they had taken up for the poor saints in Jerusalem. And it says, and this they did not as we hoped but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God, insomuch that we desire Titus that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. Paul's saying, you know what these people, they had nothing and look at what they did. he's like, you all are abounding. I want to see you do something. I want to see you be like this group. And I want to see you give. You know what the apostle Paul's doing here? I mean, he's trying to get money out of them. He's literally trying to get money out of these people. And you know, and he, he's he's trying to motivate them to give. He's not you know, you can call it guilt tripping whatever he wants, but he's like, you know, I saw some of you rich people, you drove up here in your Cadillacs and stuff where the people over there, they all had to walk, they all had to share a bike just to get to church, and then you know, they're bringing all these gifts and you ain't you ain't brought in nothing. You know, he's, he's kind of getting on a little bit. And I, I, know, I think this was appropriate because, again, it was, I believe it was the church in Corinth that he said, um, you know, if they have ministered unto you spiritual things, I believe, yeah, it was the same church he said that too Because this church, it was the rich church that kind of had a welfare mentality. And it was, this, you know, it was the Corinthian church that had all kinds of problems, too. And that's typically the way it goes. But in verse 8 he says, I speak not by commandment but by occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor that ye through his poverty might be rich. And herein I give my advice for this is expedient for you who have begun before not only to do but also to be forward a year ago. Now therefore perform the doing of it that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also of that which ye have. For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, not according that he hath not. For I mean not that other men be eased, and ye burdened, but by an equality, that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want, that their abundance also may be a supply for your one, that there may be equality. As it is written, he that gathered much had nothing over, and he that gathered little had no lack. Well, what the Gospel of Paul is basically saying right here, he's like, he's just saying, I want everybody to do their part. You know, and I've heard it put this way, it's not equal gifts, but it's equal sacrifice. And you know, there are going to be people that have the ability to give more than other people. But you know what? We shouldn't let other people outdo us in effort you know, and in sacrifice. We, we, while we can't all do equal gifts, we can't all do equal sacrifice. We can all do our part. We can all use whatever our talents are, whatever our abilities are. And that's what he's saying right here. I, he's just saying, I want everybody to do their part. Obviously, some people are going to be able to do more than other people. But at the end of the day, if we're all doing our part, if we've got equal sacrifice, we're going to accomplish great things for God. And, you know, I've heard preachers say this before, and I don't know if this is based on any data or based on any facts or if it just sounds good. But I think it's probably true. But, you know, they've always said, I believe that God has that we have in this church everything we need to do everything that God wants us to do. I mean, because it's God that builds the church. So the thing is, if people aren't getting saved, it's probably not because we don't have the people. It's probably because the people aren't doing the work. If we're not paying the bills you know, that, we're, that God wants us to be paying, it's probably not because we don't have the people. It's probably because they're just not giving like they're supposed to. The things that God, it's God's will for us to do, understand we have the ability to get it done if we all do our part. But if we're just going to come and just depend on other people to carry the load, then it's probably not going to happen. You know, we, that's why we don't ever want to get the attitude, you know, well, I don't think we have that millionaire in our church or anything like that. But, you know, if we ever do get a millionaire in our church, I hope you all don't get the idea that, we, well, you know, I guess we can slack off on our giving now. I mean, we got millionaire dropping his tithe in every week, and it's, I mean, m- mine doesn't even, you know, rate, you know, get on anyone's radar anymore. But you know what? God knows. God pays attention to that, and it's not about the size of the offering, but it's really about God's blessing on it. Because let me tell you, God can put a hole in our bag, too. And a millionaire is not going to make anything better around here. God's blessing is what's going to make things better around here but basically that you know that needs to be the attitude equal sacrifice we should all do our part but verse 16 says but thanks be to god which put the same earnest care into the heart of titus for you for indeed he accepted the exhortation but being more forward of his own accord he went unto you and we have sent him with him the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches and not that only but who was also chosen of the churches to travel with us with this grace which is administered by us to the glory of the same Lord and declaration of your ready mind. Notice here that there was someone specifically commissioned by the church to go with Paul basically to look after this offering that they had taken up. Now, I remember it. It was you know, the money situation wasn't like it is today, where you can just put it in a bank and where it's all basically electronic. Most of us never even see the money that we spend, do we? I mean, if you get direct deposit, it goes right out in your, right in your account, and it's usually gone before it even gets there, isn't it? You know, we never actually, we never actually see the money. That's the way it is in a lot of cases. A lot of the money uh, that comes through our church, we never really see it, because some people give, on, you know, online and things like that, and it just goes right into the account, and it goes out that same way, too, and you know, there's not a lot of handling of treasure that we have today. And I think that's kind of a good thing, except for the fact it's probably all leading to the mark of the beast and making it easy for them to control us. But at the same time, there is a benefit to it, too. You know, that we have, it makes it very easy to have a paper trail, doesn't it? It makes it very, it makes it harder for us to lose money, to lose track of things. It makes fraud more difficult. So thankfully, a lot of these things that we have in place. It it, it gives us accountability, but imagine back in this day when you didn't have those things, there was no electronic giving back then. They didn't have checks and all that stuff. If you wanted to give an offering, you had to physically bring that treasure. You had to physically give it to them. And then it was their job to physically travel with it and get it to its destination. Now, right there, gives a great opportunity for fraud to take place, doesn't it? I mean, it would be very easy. These people, they're spread out real far. Communication isn't like it is today. They're taking up a collection from all these different churches. So, you know, you have Macedonia where they just clean house there and they get all kinds of money, but then they go to Corinth and they're getting money from them. Well, the thing is, you know, how did they know how much came from Macedonia? How did they know... If it actually made it to Jerusalem, how, how did they know all these things? And the, while, you know, the Apostle Paul didn't put the financial statements in the Bible to show us that, understand that there was someone commissioned, there was somebody who was trusted, that his job was basically to go and to help keep track of this stuff. Why? Because they wanted to make sure there were no questions. And let, let's keep reading what it says. So in verse. 20, and and notice who he was, this person he was speaking about, I don't want to get ahead of myself here, this person he was speaking about, he had been chosen not by the pastors but by the churches to travel with Paul, you know, and to help be accountable for what had been entrusted to him. And verse 20 says, avoiding this, that no man should blame us in this abundance which is administered by us. So this treasure that they had, you know, we don't know the totals, the Bible doesn't tell us anything like that. But the apostle Paul basically said this is an abundance that we've got. What we what we have received is a great deal, a great deal of treasure had been collected, and Paul understood there needed to be a you know, accountability and not just accountability to make sure nothing bad happened. You know, but to because you know, you say, "Well, maybe they had that guy come along because he was a real good warrior, and he was going to be able to fight off all the bandits or something like that." No, that's not what it was because the apostle Paul, he didn't even talk about, you know, the potential dangers or anything like that of it being stolen, which would have been something back then that you'd have to worry about. But he was making sure nothing even appeared to be bad. Look at this, and this is verse 21. Okay, we've now seen the context. He's specifically talking about somebody who is commissioned to go with them, to keep track of these things, so nobody would blame them for anything. Because he said, "We've got an abundance here. We've got enough treasure right here that this could turn an honest man into a crook real quick." And so, you know what we're going to do? We're going to get some people to help make sure we're honest. We're going to, you know, with you know, people see us traveling around with this kind of money. they you know, what they're going to start doing? They're going to start thinking, "Well, if I had that kind of money, I'll tell you what I'd do." And we're gonna make sure that nobody even has any questions. And so he says, providing for honest things, not only in the side of the Lord, but also in the side of men. What does it mean, you know, to provide for something? To provide for something is to make sure it's it's there to supply something that's in need. We have need of someone to help keep us accountable, to help keep things on the up and up. Somebody to help prove that things are on the up and up and not, and we're we're going to make sure we put something in place that not as not only is going to keep us honest in the sight of God, but also in the sight of men. And he said, and so Paul, he didn't just make sure that God knew because a lot of times people have the statute. Well, you know, God knows what we're doing with the money. God knows that we're honest. Well, good. All right. But you know what? We should provide for honest things. Not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. You know, does your church know you're being honest? Does the church see what's going on? What about you know, what about the world? If they see what's going on? I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this before. Did you know that there have been churches before that have committed financial fraud? And I think some of y'all have heard that before. Listen, there's a church here in town when we first came out here. I talk every I mean I talked to so many people that mention that church in the financial scandal in that church. It's like everybody knew about it. You bring that church up, everybody talked about the financial scandal. You know, And I remember thinking, man, you can kill your reputation. How many have seen the video of that one preacher that was like being questioned about how he was spending the church money, about he was buying like Versace clothes and stuff and just, I mean spending extravagant amounts of money on just lavish things for himself and he was trying to act like it was business expense and stuff. Folks, that thing, kind of thing is not rare. How many have seen Kenneth Copeland's not his house, his airport? Kenneth Copeland's airport. I mean, come on. Hey, I mean, listen, I'm all for capitalism, but good night. All right? you know, I mean, good night. He's got a stinking airport. You know, in it you know, hey, people are choosing to give to that nut job. You know, what what should the government do about that? I mean, people have a right to throw their money away. You know, that's all there is to people have a right to throw their money away. And let me tell you, anybody who's given to Kenneth Copeland is throwing their money away. But I'm not really going to look to the government to stop people from doing that, because some people would think they're throwing their money away here, too. And it would end up coming back and nailing all of us. So, uh, but anyway, you know, Paul said he didn't just make sure they knew he, or the, and that God knew. He wanted everyone to know things were on the up and up. And he said in verse 22, and we have sent with them our brother whom we have oftentimes proved diligent in many things, but now much more diligent upon the great confidence, which I have in you. So this is a guy too, who was known for his diligence. Cause let's just face it. Some people are known for being good with things like money. You know, some people are known for being very organized and, you know, meticulous about things. And when it comes to You know, all things financial, you know, it it really is nice if you can have that nerd that, you know, kind of gets involved in that ministry and keeps track of all the numbers, make sure there's paperwork for everything. That's just, you know, most of us, we don't even want to mess with that. You know, we don't want to deal with all those things and all these details. Do we really need to do that? I mean, this really seems like a pain in the neck. And you know what? Some of these things are a pain in the neck. A lot of it is a pain in the neck. But I believe it is necessary because of the fact that we want to be able to provide for honest things, not only in the side of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. And you know what? Thank God there's people out there that are gifted in that area that know how to do that, that they know the rules. They know how these things are supposed to work. They know how to do these things in an effective way. And you know what? God provided somebody like that that was able to work with the Apostle Paul So, I mean, this guy, you know, he was, he was, he was the nerd guy, probably. He was the numbers guy. He was the one that kept track of everything and you weren't going to be able to put one over on. And they wanted this guy traveling with them because he was somebody who was known at being good and trustworthy and diligent in this area. And it was just something when people see that this guy's going along, well, you know what? There's not going to be anything shady going on there. And you said, was Paul worried about himself? I don't think, I don't think Paul was worried about himself. was he worried about some of the other people traveling with him? I don't know that he was, but at the same time, it probably wouldn't have been a bad idea seeing that even Jesus, one of his disciples, the one who carried the bag, by the way, turned out to be evil, didn't he? And so there's nothing wrong with, uh, you know, being diligent in these areas and making sure you got things set up. It says, verse 23, whether any do inquire of Titus, he is my partner and fellow helper concerning you or our brethren be inquired of. They are the messengers of the churches and the glory of Christ. So Paul had everything ready to go in case anyone inquired of them. If anyone was suspicious of what was going on, he's like, hey, we've got some men right here. They're keeping track of things. They know what's going on. If you have any questions, see them. They can give you all the details. We're ready to go. Hey, we've got a great abundance here. And we understand that things can look bad and so we are ready to go verse 24 wherefore show you to them and before the churches the proof of your love and of your boasting on your behalf so he was he was wanting he wanted this church to give He's letting them know, hey, we've got everything in place. Everything's ready to go. We've got the best guys in this area. Other churches have given. We've got a great abundance. We want you to do your part too. Everything's going to be on the up and up. This isn't going to be like the Red Cross where only a small percentage of what you give is going to actually help the people in that area. But no, this gift you give, this is going to minister to those saints in Jerusalem. It's going to be a great blessing. Uh, God is gonna God is in this thing. God is going to bless you for it. And so you've got nothing to worry about it. You're ready to go. Now bring on the money. Pretty much what he told them. You can be ready to give. And let me tell you, I, I've always wanted this church to be something where people can be confident that what they give is going to go to the work of the Lord. That it's not going to be squandered. It's not going to be wasted. There's not going to be any fraud. There's not going to be anything like that. We want these, everything to be on the up and up. We want to provide for honest things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. So that verse right there, a very well known verse, the context of it was specifically referring to making sure we have everything in place so things are honest when it comes to the finances, when it comes to the treasures. Now, some principles that we can apply, some things that we can learn from this message now that we know the context of this verse, now that we know the full story behind it, why Paul said it, uh, You know, what are some things that we can learn from this? Well, here's a few things we can learn from it, and that is that we should... As a church, okay, when I say as a church, I'm not just talking about me as a pastor, okay, I don't have all authority when it comes to the finances here, okay, just mark it down, this isn't just me, okay, you all have part in that, okay, you all have some say in that and so you as a church, we as a church, we should appreciate the sacrifices people make when they give to the work of the Lord. Well, it's God's money anyway. What are you worried about? Listen, you know, I'm worried about it because you know what? We can't make people give. We can't do that. People choose to give. We don't send people bills. We don't turn you into the collection agency. If you're not tithing, we don't keep track of that stuff. We're not doing that. And what does it say in 2 Corinthians chapter nine, In the very next chapter? He says, but this, I say, he, which so sparingly shall reap also sparingly. Paul's still talking about money. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. You know, one of the reasons I don't like preaching about giving that much is because I want people to enjoy giving. I don't want you doing it with a bad attitude. I don't want to guilt trip people into doing it. I want people to want to give to this church. And so I've always felt like, you know, if people's hearts are right, they're going to want to give. If we're doing a good work for the Lord, if we're using the money wisely, People are going to want to give. People want to give to good causes. People do. There's, 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 I think a lot of people, especially in America, are very generous and they want to give to the work of the Lord. But you know what? Nobody wants to do? Nobody wants their money that they give to be wasted. No, nobody wants that. And so we should appreciate it. The Apostle Paul, he recognized the deep poverty that these people were in in macedonia in fact they didn't even want to take it from them we can't take this from you you all need this but they did they prayed them with much entreaty to take it and you better believe the apostle paul he kept that in his mind as they're carrying that treasure around and maybe he's like you know i know as we're traveling uh you know it's we're tired you know we could stay at the five-star motel you know with this money i mean i'm sure they were allowed to use some of that for their own expense that they had along the way but, you know, I imagine the Apostle Paul thought, man, those people, they're living in squalor out there. I'm not taking their money and staying at the Ritz Carlton, you know, while we're traveling this way. You know what? We're going to the Roach Coach. Because that's what these people live in. You better believe that's where we're going to stay, too. I get it. I'm the Apostle Paul. I do a great work for the Lord. I'm worthy of double honor, blah, blah, blah. And I, you know, I, I get all that. But Paul's like, you know what? I appreciate the way these people are given. You know, we're we're going cheapskate on this. I'm not going to, why? Because he appreciated what they had done. We should have appreciation for these things. You know, we should be thankful. We should admire people's obedience to God in this area. It should be beyond our ability to take advantage of people who could do many other things. You all, you know, and I shouldn't bring these things up. I'm just going to bring these things up, all right? Things that you could do if you didn't give you know, if somebody makes let's say fifty thousand dollars a year and they tithe, I mean that's five thousand dollars a year, that's over four hundred dollars a month that they're giving. That's an that's an extra car payment, a good car payment you can make. Imagine if your mortgage, you know, whatever it is now, if you could add four hundred, that's that's a nicer house that you could live in. I mean, there's a lot, I mean, that's a boat payment, and then some. I mean, think about all of the things. That you're not able to do now financially because you give that you could if you didn't give. And don't think about it too much because you might start doing it. But at the same time, you better believe. You know, I, I got I, I, as I was doing this message, I got to think about. I was like, man, people really could do a lot. I mean, that's a that five thousand dollars. That's a really nice vacation you could take your family somewhere. You know, and and I get it. I do believe. You know, mathematically, it doesn't make sense to tithe. But I do believe we're better off when we do give. I believe that. And you know what? I've always given. I've always tithed. And the Lord has allowed us to do great things. And I'm happy with how we're living. But, you know, mathematically speaking, you know, I would be better off if I didn't give. But I still don't believe I would be better off. But you know what? That takes faith. You know, I can't prove that to you. And I definitely can't prove it to you with the math. That's a faith thing. And so, you know, if you are having faith and being obedient, when reality, when math tells you, you can do something different and have all these other things, you know what? I'm thankful for that. I appreciate that. And the last thing I would ever want to do is take advantage of that. That'd be a very wicked thing to do, especially too. you know, I mean, I mean, people, many times, too, people are struggling. People are poor. They're, they're having difficult financial times and they're being obedient in these things. And to just take advantage of that, uh, that, that should be beyond our conscience, but, Another thing we need to understand, too, and we can learn from this story, is that there are potential dangers and temptations that come from money. And look what he said in verse 19. And not that only, but who was also chosen of the churches to travel with us with the grace which is administered by us to the glory of the same Lord and declaration of your ready mind, avoiding this, that no man should blame us in this abundance, which is administered by us now? Why would anybody do that? Again, why would anybody suspect the church of wasting money? Why would anybody suspect a pastor of being crooked with the finances? I'll tell you why. Because it happens all the time. It's a very, it's a very common thing. There are great temptations that come with money. It's okay for us to admit that there's going to be temptations. Hey, you know what? Can I just you know, I, I, I don't feel bad saying this. That it's money. Access to money can be a temptation. I'm, I'm not going to lie about that. I'm not ashamed of that. You know what it says in First Timothy 6, 9? But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after they have erred from the faith and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O oh man of God, you're exempt from these things. No, that's not what it says. Hey, you know, a lot of people think just because somebody's saved, they never do anything bad financially. Are you kidding me? Bible says, Thou, O oh man of God. Hey, the, man, the pastor's finally being called the man of God here. Pastors, we love to call ourselves the man of God. Did you know when Paul called Timothy a man of God? It was when he was telling him to be careful when it comes to money and to flee after these lusts. Let's, look, let's use that one in context for a minute. You know what that tells me? A man of God can get in trouble in this area if he's not careful. If he's not running from these things. That's why pastors should be running from handling the money and touching the money. He should, he should be running towards accountability. He should be looking for people to help in this area to get as much distance as he can from him and the money. You know what that's called? It's called fleeing these things. It's fleeing these useful lusts. Now oh man of oh God, flee these things. And follow after righteousness, godly faith, love, patience, meekness. Look at people in the money in the Bible who've been destroyed because of money. Remember Achan? We talked about Achan going through Joshua. Man, he saw those treasures, he saw that wedge of gold, and he's like, I know we're not supposed to do it, but that's a lot of money right there. And you know what? It destroyed him. The love of money. Ananias and Sapphira with them. And, it, and I don't even think it was love for the money as much as it was just love for you know attention or whatever. But we see that somewhere in there, whatever it was that motivated them, it was money that got them in trouble and got them killed. We see even Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot. It got him. Money corrupts people. We know this. Look at people in our own life that we have seen. I mean, just, you know, things that the world knows about, just common stories that are out there. I mean, financial fraud is constantly killing. Even rich people just get in trouble sometimes with these things. I mean, Martha Stewart, how much money was it that she had? She went to prison for something that was really a small amount of money when you thought about how much she had. And just the things that people get in trouble for, money corrupts people. And listen, we put safeguards in our life for a reason. And, you know, and so here's another thing too. Right? I'm not ashamed to admit this. I don't think I'm a lesser person because of this. But you know what? Don't we as men put safeguards in our, 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 our life? and we don't put ourselves in compromising situations with other women, you, you all would think it was inappropriate if on the days when I'm here during the week, I had some young, good-looking female secretary here all day with me. My wife, you know, look at her face right now. She'd be like, that ain't happening. Oh, are you saying I'm a crook? Are you saying I'm an adulterer? You know, that's what you're saying. And this is what happens too, all right? Don't fall for this. When people start getting accused of things, or people are like, hey, this looks really bad. You shouldn't be doing this. The way they deflect is, I never did this. Oh, you know, we haven't committed adultery. I mean, but you know, yeah, all I did was maybe got a little too close and maybe touch your shoulder a bit. You know, all the things that, where it all starts. Somebody sees that. I came into the church and I noticed, you know, Pastor Tommy, you know, he had his hand on this woman's shoulder or something. Oh, I didn't commit. I didn't commit adultery. You know, we never kissed. You know, I'll, I'll start naming off all the things we never did. But folks, that itself. You say, why is that so bad? I'll tell you. I'll tell you why it's so bad. Because is that not just a great temptation? Isn't that something where many mighty men have fallen? So you all would agree that it would be wrong it would be foolish for me to allow that kind of access to another woman because of the dangers. Even if I don't commit adultery, it's just a foolish thing to do. And it's the same thing with the finances. You don't just give a man unfettered access with no accountability to something like that because that is an area where men fall all the time. And it would be a foolish thing to do, to have a situation where there there isn't any accountability like that. The Bible says in Proverbs 7.25, let not thine heart decline to her ways. Talking about that strange woman. Go not astray in her paths for she hath cast down many wounded, yea, many strong men have been slain by her. She didn't just take down the wounded. She didn't just take down the guys that weren't very strong. She's taken down the mighty men. That temptation of a woman, it gets some of the greats. It got guys like David. Let me tell you something. Women, and I'm not blaming. I'm not, we're not, this isn't a blame the women game. But women can be a temptation for men. And many good men, many great preachers have fallen because they gave in to the temptation of a woman that was there. And you know what? That You find out what happened and they were in compromising situations that they never should have been in. It is foolish. Good men, saved men godly men who love the door love the lord men of god have fallen because of women and so we know we know when it comes to things like that to have safeguards we know you don't you don't have to be alone with another woman we see too even with child molestations and things that are out there that we need to even have accountability there you don't you know just you know, let your kids go off with whoever and just not have any kind of accountability chaperones all that we all understand the dangers that are there and, but unfortunately it's like we're missing it when it comes to the financial things It says her house is the way to hell going down to the chambers of death and so it's like I, I do I think we recognize just how dangerous things can be when it comes to females but understand it's the same thing when it comes to the finances and if I if I'm putting myself in a compromising situation, with another woman, there's a good chance rumors are gonna start. And I can act like I'm the victim, and then all I gotta do is find somebody who just suspected more. Because again, if you saw if you if you came in here sometime and you saw me and I just had my hand on a woman's shoulder. Okay, that's not adultery. Okay? But you know what? You're and then and then all of a sudden I see you and I take my hand off real quick and I'm all embarrassed. Okay, listen. I promise you, if that happens and word gets out, somebody's gonna say this. I'll bet Pastor Tommy's committing adultery with her. Man, I want to find out who the railer is in this church. People out there lying about me, saying I committed adultery. That's railing. And listen, I get it. I didn't do that, but wasn't that really bad? That that was inappropriate. That kind of thing shouldn't happen. I shouldn't be in that situation. You would have a right to be concerned. But often when that kind of thing happens, pastors start focusing on all the things that people said that weren't true, that were a little extreme. But folks, why wouldn't you think that? Because we understand the temptations that are there. And the truth is, I probably need to be dealt with. If that kind of thing is going, if something like that ever happened, we would never get ourselves in that situation. But if something like that ever happened, you know what? That's when the church needs to sit me down. That's when the trustees need to get together and say, all right, Pastor, hey, this is, we're giving you some rules. I'm the leader of the church. Well, I thought Christ was the head of the church. I thought we were the church. I thought you were just an officer in this church. And you know what? Church, you need to tell me, listen, this is the way it goes. If you're going to have a secretary here or whatever, here's some guidelines. She can't be here alone when you're here. You're gonna have to be here at certain times. She can be here. You're gonna have to come up with some rules. Now, now you shouldn't have to do that for me. You shouldn't have to do that for any pastor. I should never put you in that situation. But let me tell you something. You do have the right to do something like that. And when a pastor is getting out of line, he's getting himself in a compromising situation. The church should step in in these situations. We hear about these things all the time that happen in churches. Like, and I'm always just asking the question, where was the church? Oh, that's right. It wasn't a church. It was a one man show with a cult leader that just told everyone to jump and they asked how high. Where they just, they showed up and just did his bidding. They were not involved in leadership anymore. They didn't participate in that area. They just, whatever the pastor says, we do. Folks, that's not even a church. That's just a cult. If y'all want to go cult, you know, go find somebody that makes Kool Aid and, you know, drink whatever he's giving you. Uh, That's not what we are. We're a church here. So, um, We need to understand that because so many have fallen that we need to do things in an honest way that can assure everyone we are doing things properly. Again, providing for honest things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. We should totally understand why people are suspicious. We should get that. I get it why people in this town are suspicious, you know, because of the stories I've heard about things that have gone on here in town. This is not an uncommon thing. And, you know, it's it's never going to be uncommon. Any church that just gives a pastor unfettered access to money with no accountability is probably going to fall eventually. I mean, just doing that kind of thing is just like sticking a pastor in a building alone with a beautiful woman for a long time and just expecting nothing to happen. You don't do that kind of thing. You don't put people in that situation. That is a foolish thing to do. But yet, people are doing it, and then they wonder why bad things happen. Well, that pastor's saved. That pastor's a soul winner. He would never do anything like that. No, that pastor's a man. You better believe he'd do something like that. You better believe it. It's taken down many people. Financial fraud is a serious sin when you consider it's stealing. Isn't that one of the Ten Commandments? It's covetous. Isn't that one of the Ten Commandments? It destroys testimonies. It's taking advantage of people who have sacrificed greatly. I mean, go ahead and think for a minute about some things that you've done without so you could give to the church. Think about what you could have done with that money. And yet, it was just, didn't care. We took advantage of it. Go ahead and think about that and get fired up a little bit. this, This shows you how serious this type of thing is. You know, and it's, and so ultimately when people get busted, it ends up preventing the work of the Lord from being done in other areas. It casts doubt on those who are innocent. There's people out there who are just, they're suspicious of everything now. They don't want to give to any church. Listen, there's a lot of crooks out there, but not everybody's a crook. You know, not everybody's doing it wrong. Second, we're not going to go there, but second Samuel chapter one through six, that's where Nathan, the prophet comes to David and he confronts them about his sin with Bathsheba. And what did he do to show David, you know, how, how bad of a situation this was, and how wrong what he had done was? You know what he did? He gave him a story of a poor man and how he was how somebody took advantage of a poor man. A rich guy took what a poor man had. And David heard that, and he said, Man, that man shall pay fourfold, he shall surely die. And Nathan said, Thou art the man. It illustrates how bad it is to take from someone, especially someone who is poor. And you've got that today. I mean, you you have these preachers out there, these TV preachers, taking money from old ladies on Social Security, while they're living in their mansions and things. Folks, that makes me sick. That's just that is absolutely disgusting. You know, and I, you know, it ought to turn all our stomachs. And, you know, we should never want to have a part in anything like that. We should never want to give towards anything like that. And we should make sure that we, we're never, uh, you know, we never do anything like that here. So providing for honest things, specifically in this passage, meant to find a way to prevent anyone from getting the wrong idea about something that could easily be perceived as wrong. And if not, if it wasn't handled carefully And there are so many wicked false prophets out there making churches look bad. There are so many people who already think pastors are just about the money, churches are just about the money, that you know what? It's not a baseless accusation, is it? It's not a baseless accusation. We need to make sure we're always ready to give an account. We should set things up in a way where we are always protected so we can prove ourselves to God and man. I don't ever want. To, I, I've always, you know, I, there's not too many things I'm scared of, but I've always been scared of the IRS. I do not like the power that they have. I do not like them. I hate the IRS. Okay, right? I wish they would abolish it. You know, every presidential candidate that ever he talks about it, they never make it past the primary, and something tells me the IRS is behind that. But, but either way, either way, I, you know, I, I'm scared of those people, and. I have always been careful about how I do things because I don't want those people messing with me. Listen, I, I like my money. I think it's my money, but I'm not willing to go to jail <laughs> for a little bit more. I'm just I'm not I'm not willing. So you know what? I try to follow their stupid rules. I go to a tax preparer. I have them do all that stuff. And when it comes to the church, since the day we started, I've always wanted to make sure we're doing everything in a way where I can prove. Not just to God, but I can prove to the stinking IRS or anyone that ever comes after us that we're doing things honestly because I don't like the power that they have. They could throw me in jail for something. And I don't know about you. I don't, I don't, if I'm going to go to jail, I want to be for something good. If you think I'm living a luxurious enough life that it's worth chancing chance in jail over, you're crazy. All right? I, I'm, not, I'm not interested in that. And so we're going to make sure we provide for honest things. Got to always keep that going, and you know, and I appreciate those who, you know, have taken part, you know, as trustees and you know, having taking the time every month to actually check and see what's going on, because um, that, that's going to help take away any temptation. You know what that is? That's me fleeing these lusts that are out there that destroy men and, and destruction, and perdition. Because I'm like anybody else. I get tempted by things, want just, want just a little bit more. You know, I'm the kind of person that if I see somebody drop a dollar bill, I think about whether or not I should let them know about it. I usually let them know about it. I usually let them know about it. I think about it. Yeah. <laughs> it, crosses, it crosses my mind. <laughs> hey, I, I, I think we're all like that a little bit. You know, if you find that $100 bill or something, you know, you're, you're like, uh, you're, you're hoping you don't find any evidence of who it belongs to. You know, and, you know, I've found debit cards before. And it crosses my mind. I could go spend with this. I've never done it. Never done it one time. But those things cross my mind. And you know what? I'm disgusted by that. I wish those things didn't even cross my mind. But you know what? They They cross your mind, too, don't they? You think about it, too. You've been at the bank before, and you see that stack of money that the cashier is working with, and you start thinking, you know, if my arm was a little bit longer, if there weren't cameras... I would probably reach and grab something she wouldn't see it, you know. You know, we we are not gonna do it, but we think about those things. Am I alone in this? Am I the only one that ever thinks about that kind of stuff? I used to live by a bank, and I used to think how easy it would be to, you know, bust through the wall. You know, you, you think about you think about that stuff when you're struggling financially, don't you? Am I the only one that's ever struggled financially and thought of ways I could make a quick dollar? Okay, I'm glad I'm, I'm glad I'm not alone here. So you can see, you can see why I'm so picky about this stuff because I know myself and I know I need, and th- this is me running from those things. And so hopefully I didn't reveal so much y'all are thinking, I'm never going to give anyway because eventually uh, <laughs> he's going to, he's going to quit running. But no, uh, I, I think we're doing good here. And so I hope this message was an encouragement and I hope you know, you see too the seriousness of why we do these things. You know, don't have the attitude, ah, you know, this is, you know, we're being picky. No, we need to do do these things. It's the right thing to do. The Apostle Paul did this very thing. We all claim this verse for everything else. You know, let's use it in the same way the Apostle Paul did. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank You so much for Your Word and all the wonderful examples that it gives. And I pray, Lord, You'll help each of us, Lord, not just as a church to follow these things, but as individuals. I pray You'll help us to be honest in our dealings and that we'll uh, just flee from things that that are temptations and that we'll... Uh, always understand that people are watching and we'll make sure that we uh, always have a good testimony in everything we do. In your name we pray. Amen.